Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. First of all, it's important to notice it says cleanse ourselves. There's a cleansing that only God can do, right? Can anybody make yourself clean enough for heaven? No, none of us. Like, none of us can ever in our best day, on our most spiritual day, devotions at 5 a.m., pray for four hours, you know. You still thought a wrong thought. You're going to do something wrong. None of us can walk perfectly enough. I can't achieve perfection. So, um, heaven had to be afforded me by, by God's grace through Jesus Christ. Amen? In today's message, Pastor Bill will remind you to rest in the work that Jesus did on the cross for all of humanity. As people, we like to think that we can work for everything. In our fast-paced culture, we can work for almost anything, a relationship, a promotion, or a new car. But the one thing that can't be worked for is our salvation. It can be easy to think that if you pray enough, go to church enough, or serve enough that God is pleased with you, God gives salvation freely and graciously. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7 as he begins his message, Real Repentance. All right, well, as you guys open up to 2 Corinthians 7, last week we did a special message uh, kind of laying out a vision for the fellowship. So I do want to give a little recap. Anybody that wasn't here, um, you can always go online or you can go on the Calvary Chapel Inglewood app and you can look up the studies that you might have missed. But in chapter 6, Paul was calling the Corinthians... He was calling them to separation. Uh, he was saying that, look, if you're gonna you're gonna walk with the Lord, there's gonna God's calling us to separate from certain things. And so God calls us out of you know worldly relationships, and you know He calls us not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers and all these things. And then He made a, a series of promises to those that would obey. Um, he promises, "I'll be a father to you. You'll be my sons and daughters." Uh, he basically says, "You separate from those things." We're going to have a relationship where I'm going to be your father and I'm going to I'm going to guide you and I'm going to be there for you. And it was a, a list of promises in Second Corinthians six uh, it kind of goes from 14 all the way down to verse 18. So this picks up right where that left off in when Paul wrote Corinthians, uh, there wasn't chapter and verse. Somebody put that in later so that we could, you know, this is a big book. You know, if you somebody say find a verse in Isaiah and all you have was a whole book of Isaiah, it'd be kind of tough, you know. So someone put in the chapter and verses and we can, I thank God for whoever they were, it was a great idea. Um, we needed it, you know, it helps me find the address to stuff. But sometimes the breaks aren't exactly where they should be. And this is one of those cases. This chapter six flows right in the chapter, the same paragraph. And so um, I just wanted to share that. So when you see the first word of chapter seven is therefore, Whenever you see that in Bible study, your Bible, therefore, always points back to what was previously taught, previously said. So um, verse one of chapter seven, Paul says, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And he says, as a result, in light of everything that God just promised, he wants to be our dad. He wants to be a he wants to. He says he wants to dwell in us, walk among us, be our God. We'll be his people. These are all the things he promised in in, in verses 16, 17, 18 of the last chapter. Um, He says, in light of that, we should cleanse ourselves. We should make ourselves right. I didn't give you guys a title. Uh, Today's title is Real Repentance. Um, We'll we'll get to that a little bit later. So just write that down in your notes. Um, We'll look at if there can be real repentance, there can also be what? 
fake repentance. And so we want to make sure that we're not that. So um, Paul says, look, having these promises, having having these things that God has promised to do for us, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. And I'm going to explain the difference. So first of all, it's important to note he says cleanse ourselves. There's a cleansing that only God can do, right? Can anybody make yourself clean enough for heaven? No, none of us. Like none of us can ever in our best day on our most spiritual day devotions at 5 a.m. Pray for four hours. You know, you still thought a wrong thought. You're going to do something wrong. None of us can walk perfectly enough. I can't achieve perfection. So um, heaven had to be afforded me by by God's grace through Jesus Christ. Amen. All of us enter in the same way. None of us are that good. So. That cleansing God does. God washes away all of our sins. So that that's not what's in, in, in view here. There are things that God would say, now you need to clean yourself. And when he says here, cleanse yourselves uh, from filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. He said, this part is on you. There's a part that God did to redeem you, to save you, to purchase you. Done. Now clean up your act. And this is this flies in the face of some of what people believe and even teach. Some people believe that, you know, I just got to give my life to Christ. And, and then once I give my life to Christ and I receive the Lord, then I'm good. I got it. Say nothing else needs to happen in my life. And that's not true. For anybody here that's married, right? I married my wife, you know, almost this year we're going to celebrate 20 years, right? When we got married, it, it would be like saying, hey, we, I just want to get married to her. And then once I get married to her, like, then I can go back to doing all the rest of the stuff. I got you, though. We're in relationship. I got, I got the ring. You know what I'm saying? Now, now I can go back to all the stuff I used to do because I got you. He can't go nowhere. <laughs> you know, does that work? Anybody here married? Does that sound like a plan? No, that, that's ludicrous. Nobody wants that deal. Hear me? God doesn't want that deal either. Right. But some of us. Treat it like that. Now I'm saying, now I can go act a fool. I can go do what I want to do. I can go that and do some of those and whatever those things are that y'all be doing. I don't know y'all that well, you know. So, um, but God's like, no, we're, we're now you're mine. We're in relate. I purchased you with my blood, right? We're in intimate relationship. It's exclusive, and there are things I've called you away from that we can enjoy this kind of relationship. And so, um, so that idea that some people have that once you get saved, then you can then you're you're good. You got your ticket. Now you can go do whatever. That's not the biblical idea. So Paul tells the Corinthians here, hey, cleanse yourselves. First of all, from all filthiness of the flesh, the things that we do in our flesh, filthiness. Uh, it, it's the idea is these are different kinds of sin that you do with your body. This could encompass sexual sin. This could encompass um, bringing yourself under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Um, filthiness of the flesh, things that you would do with your body that defile you, that don't honor God. Just cleanse yourself of that. That means this, that while the cleansing for salvation was only something God can do uh, in the in the life of the believer, God has enabled us with the we have by God's strength. We have the ability to to not do certain things anymore. Um, As a non-believer, you may have well been in bondage to things that you're like, I couldn't break this bondage. I couldn't stop it. But in Christ, God says, now I give you choice. You can walk away from that. I will, I will empower that decision. You, you make the decision to turn, I'll empower your decision to walk away from whatever those things may be. And God will empower us that we can walk in victories. God wouldn't command me to cleanse myself if it were impossible, right? That'd be like me telling somebody five foot, grow six feet. 
They can't. There's nothing they can do. If they can stretch, they can do. You, they can't do it. That would be cruel, right? God wouldn't. Whatever God commands, God never commands you to do something that He's not willing to enable you to do it. That would be cruel, and He's not cruel. So He says, "Cleanse yourself of first all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit." And this is interesting because we're most of us are clear. You can say we know what the filthiness of the flesh is, but there's also spiritual filthiness. What is that? What is spiritual filthiness? Um, I believe as you look through the Gospels and you look at Jesus' day, it would be the religious. It would be the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It would be the self-righteous, the hypocrites. Those that, you know, the things that the Pharisees and Sadducees did, they always wanted to look like they were doing better than what they were. They were great about putting on an exterior, um, even though inside they were whack. You know, Jesus had one of the, one of the most, you know, one of the rawest chapters in the Bible and it's all red letters is Matthew 23 as Jesus went in on them. And he, I mean, Jesus called them names. You know, he, I mean, Jesus. So if I ever feel like I need to call a name, I'm like, Jesus called names, you know. So he called them, you know, brutal vipers, whitewashed sepulchers. You know, he said, you guys are, you know, you guys are like a, a whitewashed tomb, all clean on the outside. But inside you're full of dead man's bones. I mean, he went in. You guys are fake. And that would be spiritual. That would be that would when he says cleanse yourself of all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. That would be the filthiness of the spirit. And so I would encourage us, right, that nobody here would seek to be seen as more than you are. Because um, then once this is what happens, once you start acting like you're better than you are, then you got to act like those that aren't where you're pretending to be aren't doing good enough. And you got to be a little righteous. Oh, you still watch that? Mm. I don't watch that anymore, <laughs> you know, and, and that's 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 the kind of that's the kind of yucky stuff that church folk do. But that's that, it's not attractive. God's like, I don't like that. I don't, I'm not a proud of that. It doesn't glorify me that you, you know, it would be better to be real. It'd be better to be, man, I'm still struggling with this. I'm working on this. I'm praying for you. Then we'll stand with you. We'll walk with you. Then to pretend like we are more than we are. So um, the other thing that the Pharisees, Sadducees did was. Um, it's, they, at one point, Jesus says that you guys, um, you guys put on other people burdens that you yourself don't carry, requiring other people to, to go further than you're going, you know, challenging other people to, to have a prayer life, but you don't have one. Challenging other people to be in the word, but you're not in the word. Challenging other people to stop doing sins that you're doing. Um, that's the kind of that spiritual yuckiness, filthiness of the spirit. So. Um, we don't want to be any of those things. Amen. Um, we don't want to be fake. We don't be, we don't be, we don't, we don't, we don't want to be walking in carnality in our flesh, but we also don't want to be pretending over here to be more than what we are. And then he says, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And the idea is not that we're going to become perfect in our hope, but we're going to mature. We're going to be growing and maturing in holiness in what, as we fear God. It's, it's walking in the fear of God that's going to cause us to grow. And that's, that takes everything to another level, right? If, if, if I look at the filthiness of the flesh, there are things that maybe I wouldn't do in front of certain people. But when I come to a place where I learn to fear the Lord, then, then I'm always in front of God. There are things that I just wouldn't do in God's sight. Um, when it comes to spiritual things, you know, filthiness of the spirit, God, there are things that if, I, if I'm aware of his presence always, and I grow in my ability to man, walk in the fear of the Lord. God is always present, always listening, always watching. Then that's going to change how I live my life. There are going to be some things that I just don't do because God's always there. And even no one's there to say nothing or to catch me. God's watching. God's present. I want to glorify him all the time. 
not just in front of people. And so um, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. And so the fear of God is something for all believers that we want to grow in. Um, I, I find, right, if, 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 if there's a, 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 I guess, a right mindset concerning his presence, if I don't lose sight of his presence, that he's always present, um, it impacts my life. Um, I think for some people, just we can lose an awareness that I know the reality. God is always present. When I'm in my car by myself, God's present. When I'm at home, he's present. When I'm here, he's present. Everywhere I go, I can't shake him. Everywhere I go, he's right there. Like I'm, He lives in me, you know, so he's present all the time. But sometimes we can lose the awareness of that. And then you'd be talking ways that you ain't supposed to be talking. And God's like, hello, right here. You know, I'm, just, I'm hearing that conversation. Can you stop that? You know, uh, it's our awareness of his presence that uh, I believe impacts how we do things and things that we will and won't do. And so perfecting holiness and the fear of God. Verse two, Paul speaking to them, he says, open up your hearts. And so at this point, he's he's Paul is is um yeah I, I I put over this giving and receiving correction. Paul is telling them, hey guys, open up your hearts uh, to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. I do not say this to condemn, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. And so, um, what Paul is referencing here, you know, this is a response. Remember, Paul had wrote First Corinthians. And for you guys that went through First Corinthians with us, it was a that's a hardcore letter. It was it was a whole letter of correction. Paul was correcting them on a number of items: sexual sin, you know, uh, drunkenness at the communion table, um, misuse of spiritual gifts, not walking in love. And the whole book of Corinthians was like a correction to a, a very carnal, carnal, carnal church. And so, you know, if anybody here that's ever had to correct somebody. For us, we get an immediate response, right? If I come to you face to face and I correct you on something, I can look at your face usually and see like, oh, they didn't receive that well. Or, you know, this didn't go well. Or they, oh, it went well. They received it well. You know, because I got a face to face. Back here, the process went like this. Paul wrote a letter. Paul sent the letter. Someone carried the letter over. They got the letter. They read the letter. Now, Paul's like, I wonder how they responded to the letter. He's been waiting for a word back from Titus. He's been waiting to get a word back. He gets it in this chapter, but he's been waiting to see, you know, how did they take it? How did it go? You know, did they receive it? Now, we know from some of what Paul's already written that they have received this correction. And, and it was a positive thing. And so uh, I just want you to have the mindset. For anybody here that's have to do that. You know, I've, I've done, I've had times where, you know, I corrected someone and I really didn't know. Uh, I didn't know how it went. Uh, didn't, you know, it was like, we're, we're going to have to wait and see. And um, I've had people mad at me, you know, usually like in your face, people, some people can kind of gather themselves or whatever. And then, you know, afterwards, like, man, I don't, I don't see them anymore. You know, they don't they don't talk no more. So it's like, okay, they, they didn't go well. You know, it didn't go as well as it felt like it went. Um, this is the deal. Paul cares about them. Right. Paul's not giving out correction. Um, he, does he hate the Corinthians? He loves them. He's like, man, open up your heart to us, guys. We, we, I love you. We love you guys. We, we want to live and die with you guys. We, we, we're, he's acknowledging we're family. We're the family of God together. And all the things I wrote to you are, are with that heart. And so he says, open up your hearts to us. And then he's, he's almost like he's having to, like, not prove himself, but tell him all the stuff he didn't do. You know, maybe there have been accusations. He said, look, we, we haven't wronged anyone. We haven't, we have, we have not, we have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. Um, that's important because 
something Paul is doing is he's, uh, and we'll see it in chapters 8 and 9, Paul is taking up a collection for the Jerusalem church that's poor. And Paul's like, look, I, I, our, our record among you guys is clean. We haven't taken advantage. We haven't corrupted anyone. We haven't cheated anybody. He says, I, I don't say these things to condemn for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together and to live together. Verse four, he said, great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. And so Paul said, look, great is my boldness of speech towards you. He said, but also great is my boasting on your behalf. Now, Paul, when he spoke to them, Paul does not mince words. Paul says, I was bold in my speech to you. I was just straightforward. Anybody know people like that? That they um, they just kind of wham, they just give it to you straight up. That was Paul. He didn't mince words, you know. Um, usually my wife is that way, you know. Uh, she don't she don't add a whole lot of extra, you know, uh, flowers and, and poopery and stuff like that. She's a blam, you know. It's like, there it goes. <laughs> That's the truth, girl. You know, that it's just straightforward, you know. That's how Paul is. Paul just, bam, tell it like it is. Here it is. And sometimes when you're telling it like it is, but it is bad, people don't want to hear that. You know, if you wear an outfit that's ugly, ladies, and you go to one of your straightforward friends and you say, how does this look on me? That's terrible. Take it off. That don't fit. It's wrong here. I got my... Some of you guys would be like, thank you for telling me the truth. Take it off and go put on something more appropriate. But some of y'all be in your feelings. You hurt, you're, you're, your feelings hurt. You don't have to say it like that. You could have just said, maybe not that outfit, you know? Well, Paul wouldn't be a good friend for you. Paul's going to tell you, take that mess off. It's not working. So he's very straightforward in that way. And so he said, well, look, in, 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 in fairness, as I'm bold in my speech to you, I'm also... Also boasting you guys, you know, as as there are positives coming forth, I, I boast on you guys. I'm, I'm bragging on what God is doing. He says, I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all tribulation. And, and here's a point, too. In the midst of all this, right, Paul is somewhere under persecution. But like it is many times, some of Paul's letters he wrote from prison. This letter he wrote while he's he's under persecution but his thoughts are with the church. He's thinking about the Corinthians. He's thinking, he's, I'm, I'm right now going through it. But it's comforting my heart to hear how you guys are doing. It's comforting my heart to, to hear or to experience or to see, you know, what's happening here. And so um, I think this is interesting for us as believers, that there could be times when maybe you're under, uh, you know, warfare and there are things happening. What is it that you take comfort and joy in? Uh, I think sometimes God's like, man, the, the comfort, the joy you're going to take is in, is in what I'm doing, despite what you're going through. There, there have been times where since we started the church and got going, my wife and I will sit back and we're like, man, we're having we're going through warfare. Things are happening, but we'll come Sundays or we'll come other nights and we'll look at what God is doing in individual people's lives. And we'll just we'll talk about those things like, you know what? It's worth it. Like if whatever warfare is happening over here, but look at what God's doing. And sometimes the comfort comes in looking at what God's doing, letting that become the focus. But look at what he's doing. Um, and that's something for all of us to, to know. There will always be things that are kind of being worked out. Um, and when you're in a place where you're looking at things that are kind of going awry or difficult, um, it, it'd be healthy to have a mindset that's able to look and look. But look at what, what's God doing. While this is happening, okay, the, the, this thing took place, but what's God doing? And um, that we would have that in our mind. Paul says, I'm, I'm, I'm comforted. I'm exceedingly joyful in the midst of all this tribulation. Look at verse five now. He says, for indeed, when we came to Macedonia, 
Our bodies had no rest. I want you to, I try not to read this real fast because we can kind of miss what's happening. Um, Paul said, look, when we went to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. If your body had no rest, how are you going to be feeling? So just keep that in mind. For anybody here, some of y'all with new babies, <laughs> y'all know, like, I, amen, Paul. Bodies had no rest. Um, <laughs> it says, but we were troubled on every side. So when I'm not getting a rest and I got trouble on every side. So add that to that. Add, add, add lack of rest to trouble on every side. Then he says, outside were conflicts. So people coming at us from outside. Inside were fears. So he says, outwardly, people are coming at us. Inside, I got my own fears and anxieties that I'm dealing with. That's the condition that Paul is in. He's like, man, I, I got, you know, no sleep, you know, trouble coming from every side. Outside, people coming at me. Inside, I got fears and things that I'm feeling. And in verse six, he says, nevertheless, but anyway, nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. And this is important, right? Paul said, look, all that's happening. I'm not I'm tired, not getting sleep. They're coming at me from outside, coming at me from every direction. I got fear on the inside. But, but then Titus came and it comforted me. Paul had been concerned since, uh, you know, earlier. It was, it was uh, earlier from um, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, where Paul has been waiting on this arrival just to hear that Titus got where he was going safely and that things are going okay. And so... He says, man, I was comforted. God comforted us by the coming of Titus. And I just paused. I read that and I thought, you know, if we were going through this kind of warfare, you know, are we comforted to hear what God is. Could, could, could there be comfort in our life in the midst of God? Didn't Paul didn't say I was comforted because I finally got a good night of rest and the warfare ceased. He didn't say that. He didn't say like everything was better. They stopped bothering me. My fear went away and I finally got a couple good nights sleep. Now I'm feeling all right. He said, I was comforted because Titus came. Brother in the Lord came. He's okay. He's got word back from the Corinthians of how they received the letter that I wrote. And I'm Paul's like, I'm, I'm so wrapped up in what God's doing that I'm finding comfort in these things. My brother Titus, he's good. The Corinthians are doing better than I had expected. Here Paul's like, man, I'm, I'm, God's comforted me through that. Why do I point this out to us? Sometimes we want we want to tell God how to comfort us. Sometimes that's how our prayers sound like something bad's happening. And we're like, God, fix that bad thing because it's making me feel bad. And instead of just saying, God, you're the God who comforts. Would you comfort me in what I'm going through? However you want to do it. Sometimes God's it's not going to be direct. Sometimes God's like, I'm doing something so big through that negative situation that I want you to overcome that. I'm not taking that away. But I'm, I'm doing something bigger in you. And so sometimes God's not going to take those things away. He's going to let us overcome. He's going to let us deal with them. Let, let us go through them um, as bad as we want. You know, when people ask your prayer, um, I pray. Some, you pray for me. This Yes, we'll pray. But I don't always know what God's will is. You know, we always leave. The, the, we tag everything. God, your will be done. Maybe. Maybe God's will. Maybe God's doing something greater through the trial. I don't know. Uh, maybe God will be glorified and taking it all away. Um, that's that's his business. Um, but in this case, I just want to note that nothing changed. The warfare didn't stop. People didn't stop coming at him. He wasn't he didn't, they didn't stop pressing from every side. He doesn't say that the fear went away. He just said, man, Titus came. I was so comforted. Minister to me that my brother Titus came. Um, I would point out the importance of Christian fellowship, um, the importance of Iron sharpening iron, just being with other people that believe and know the God that you know. 
that there can be times, there definitely been times in my life where just fellowshipping with another brother, you know, just nothing else changed, but just talking, talking, praying, fellowshipping, coming together. Um, there's a strength that comes through that, a reminder that, you know, what you're dealing with is not strange. It's not odd. You're not the only one. Um, and you could just see someone encouraged and built up. That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. In this book, Paul details many different ways that he suffered for the sake of Christ. It can be painful to hear about these trials, but it's a reminder that following Jesus comes at a personal cost. What are some ways that you've chosen Jesus above other things? Do you think it's worth it? Paul knew it was well worth the pain and hardship that was brought on because he had a bigger picture in sight of eternity. Do you have the same outlook when you go through difficult trials? We hope you continue to learn more from this book written to the Corinthians. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you'll find them on our website, CalvaryEnglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. Do you live in the Inglewood area? Then come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryEnglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is CalvaryEnglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as a part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and possibly hearing about Jesus for the very first time? Please pray that their hearts will be open to the truth that changes lives. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us on The Transforming Word.